You're listening to Healthcare Now Radio. Stand by for this just in the latest in healthcare innovation and technology trends with your HIT advisor, Justin Barnes. Thank you for tuning in, and welcome to This Just In. I'm your host, Justin Barnes. In this half hour segment, I'll bring you the latest advancements in healthcare, strategy, innovation, and public policy. As always, we're broadcasting from the This Just In studios on the Business Radio X network, as well as the Healthcare Now radio network. And before we dive in with my special guest today, I want to take a moment to let everyone know that we will be broadcasting the This Just In radio show again live from the Hims Annual Conference next March in Las Vegas. Many more details to come, but I hope everyone is planning on attending. We'll have another great slate of CEO, CIO, leading care providers, industry thought leaders, and certainly policymakers joining the show. But for this episode, my 111th episode, we're going to speak with a good friend and thought leader, Tom Foley, Director of Worldwide Health Solutions Strategy for Lenovo Health and co-founder of the Health Innovation Think Tank. Welcome back to the show, Tom. Thank you. Um, Good to be back. It's great to have you back, and we uh, scheduled today's show to really cover our most recent uh, think tank that we hosted at UPMC in partnership with the Center for Connected Medicine, and um, this is our third show on the topic, but uh, a lot of my audience knows where, it's com- where it you know, came from and how we originated it, but um, for those that are new to, the, new to the show or new hearing about the think tank, talk about the genesis of where the think tank came from. Uh, the think tank actually originated actually at Last Hymns. Uh, as actually it was on your radio show when we were talking about innovation and the inhibitors to innovation and there needing to be a voice relative to what what is actually working and what's not working. Uh, so actually it was uh, shortly after Hymns when um, when you and I actually got together and, and started thinking about how can we how can we best serve that. Uh, that gap um, that we uh, that we constructed the framework and uh, and held uh, now uh, two two separate sessions. Yeah, they were they were. It was a great idea uh, that you brought forth, and it was just a uh, a great opportunity. There was a there's a gap uh, in the industry, and, and you saw that, and, and you articulated it in such a way that you know a lot of these associations, and I also saw this myself. Is a lot of associations, they're they have one type of participant. They, they might be, you know, my, I'm very familiar with EHR vendors or interoperability players or um, health IT vendors from, from a specific sector of the market. Um, you know, maybe uh, um, patient portal companies. They all start their own types of industry associations. And we were thinking much bigger, like how can we bring all of these collaborators together, all key stakeholders. So why don't you roll through some of your initial ideas on the different players and key stakeholder groups that are very important to the think tank? Well, it, it, to me, it, uh, well, to us, it was not just about having health, health systems in the room. It was really about bringing together the different stakeholders to have a collaboration. Uh, and so therefore, health systems leading innovators uh, on the technology fronts, uh, payers, uh, policymakers, and having them collaborate and uh, having them collaborate on very specific elements associated with 
virtual care, connected health, and value-based care. Um, it was um, was something uh, that we thought was needed, and and even in the collaboration, it wasn't around a panel discussion where some folks are up on stage and 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 talking and not having the ability to engage uh, fluently throughout the dialogue. Uh, this was you know 50 people in a room and and moderating a, a conversation with with all 50 at the same time to glean out what is what is working, what's not working, what's the path forward relative to uh, uh, moving the needle in the delivery of care model. Yeah, that's really where I think the think tank is very different than anything that I've ever been a part of or I've ever seen even where you mentioned we bring together 50 thought leaders and they're all key stakeholders in their own right. And so to have a collaborative discussion among 50 thought leaders uh, and just leaders in general in the industry, and then gleaning out their best practices, their experiences, where the, what, what they know to be successful and that what they know not to be successful. So we can, again, learn from each other and, and begin to, you know, crawl, crawl walk, run uh, and, and, and run together as an industry and move this industry forward. Yeah, and you know, and the, and the big thing that, that uh, I've learned uh, throughout this process is that the larger health systems – they they have at least a dish a little bit more flexibility in their spend uh, in investigating some innovative ways to change the delivery of care, where a small hospital doesn't necessarily have that 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 flexibility and struggle a bit more on how and 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 how to proceed forward. And so when we talk about bringing uh, ex hospital executives in. Uh, to participate, it's kind of a mix of large and small, uh, so that we can get res uh, perspective, mm -hmm. and 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 everybody learns across the uh, across the board. I, I think it's it's been pretty powerful. Yeah, that's also I, I agree. And what's been exciting to be a part of this for me is just to see. You know, we had the some small rural hospitals, critical access hospitals, as well as the largest health systems. You know, the top largest health systems in the country. And most progressive as well, so it's kind of cool to have the entire spectrum, you know, actively yeah. participating in our think tank each time, even. Yeah. Um, exactly. So what uh, you know, we're going to cover some of the best practices and key takeaways. Some of the initial, just basically whet everybody's appetite. We're going to publish those here uh, very soon as well at a grand scale. But you know, what do you hope to achieve and through the think tank over the next year? What's the goal? Uh, uh, education. Uh, it's it's a learning it's a learning experience bringing people together to collaborate on a path forward, and so that it's not just about one hospital doing something; it's about all hospitals doing something, or the ambulatory care facilities. It's about how do we all learn and move in the same direction? Because the the market is really just totally disjointed, and they, there but there's a lot of great ideas, and what's what what works and what doesn't work. So let's mitigate the um, let's mitigate the expense on things that don't work and so that we could demonstrate and move forward quickly on things that do work, um, you know, and what works on the, uh, in California may not work in Massachusetts, but uh, at least you have a framework of, of something that, that does work and you can spin it towards your respective geography and, and community and in order to uh, maximize success. Yeah, you bring up a very good point. And something actually we've been finding even over the last couple of weeks as we're, we're pulling together and parsing all of the different 
key takeaways and best practices that we garnered in that last think tank is um, there, there, we have a lot collected and I think we're going to publish really all of them because they're relevant to different people. It's one of the really things that we found is, is, you know, exactly what you just said is some are going to be relevant to somebody in California. Some are going to be relevant to a small health system. Some are going to be relevant to a medium size. Some are going to be relevant to a innovative health IT vendor or a payer, you know, and so they're all over the board. And that's one thing that's really neat is we're not finding one type where we're actually educating. And then we're, we're basically telling everybody some key strategies to be successful and then also how to understand other players in the market. Cause we were very myopic in some ways, but now we're kind of yeah. see the playbook for everybody and everybody understands how everybody else can be successful. We can understand their perspective better. It's a great communication tool. I've noticed. Yeah. And you know, and quite frankly, I, I mentioned uh, California and Massachusetts specifically uh, uh, versus uh, how, you know, even uh, other States mm -hmm. because Massachusetts, relative to, you know, their state policies and uh, regulations on the delivery of care is different than California, and California is different in and of itself, but uh, they all have strengths. Uh, taking politics totally out of it, right. they all have their strengths, and we should be able to learn from the advancements that others have, uh, have taken, and, and not only looking at what is taking place here in the U.S., uh, but, you know, Lenovo has a specific advantage of looking globally yep. and seeing what's working there because we're all challenged with the same problem. Growing population, uh, aging population, sicker population, less doctors and nurses available to uh, to take care of uh, that older, that, that growing older, um, sicker population. Um, so, you know, different different care models, different geographies, but, you know, we did, we have a different vantage point than uh, than most uh, in this market. Yeah. And, and to be fair, even you're spot on. You know, we have North Dakota represented as well. So we do have every part of the country. That's right. And there's We're some of the most active players come from the dead center of the country. It's really, really cool. Active participants. Um, so let's dive in a little bit. What the appetite of, of uh, our listeners around some of our key takeaways? Because this last one was extremely exciting to be a part of, uh, and, and some really cool stuff uh, emerged around best practices and key takeaways. So why don't you bring up, uh, and I'll sprinkle in some as well. But why don't you bring up, you know, some thoughts around value-based care? Again, we'll publish all this here very soon. But but um, your thoughts on value-based care, what you got out of it, and some of the big aha moments. Uh, Value-based care, I think UPMC um, uh, led it uh, best and, uh, you know, really before you do anything, you really under, need to understand the community. Mm -hmm. And they've spent some significant time uh, taking the data and understanding uh, ge uh, geographically where, 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 uh, where does care most need it. Uh, so looking at a topology of their of their geography and knowing that in this community there's a high de a high degree of diabetes and another community it's a high degree of uh, of of another condition and then and then moving care closer to uh, the, those 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 communities and 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 giving the specific focus. Um, was important and UPMC uh, being a payer and a provider uh, lends itself to being a little bit more nimble relative to how do they engage the community without, you know, certainly financials are always a key uh, construct, but uh, uh, 
you know, just being a little bit more innovative in what a payer pays for in, in order to advance the uh, the quality of care and, and ultimately attempt to uh, reduce its overall cost um, as they as they engage their community. Yeah, you hit it on the head. That was the big that was the big one um, for uh, for value based care. Yeah, they, it was really neat where they used I guess they call it the area deprivation index and they can actually tell where um, there's, you know, episodes of cancer or CHF, you know, congestive yes. heart failure or diabetes. And, and like you said, they deploy care teams. And I think this, but even that's a, those are great strike type oper- strike uh, strategies. However, the overarching approach is also what we're starting to see nationwide where payers uh, and other groups are going more at risk. And, and UPMC has gone way out in front of that one by really becoming a very strong payer for Western Pennsylvania and even Central Pennsylvania, but you know they're doing it at a much larger scale. But there's a lot of health systems. This is this is a trend. But now they've shown a little bit of the playbook. And all right, you're now a payer. Well, what else you got to do beyond just you know reducing reimbursements or better managing reimbursements, which is also very important to to manage those reimbursement structures. Yeah. But how do you go lower costs specifically without just making cuts? You know, draconian cuts. They go out there. They like you said. They deploy care teams. And they proactively engage their community and not waiting for them to walk through the emergency room. Yeah, they they actually gave advanced definition of what we always hear is that it's always about the data, right? Yes, right. And, and in this context, it's it, I'll split hairs and say it's not a it's it's about studying the data and the, uh, across the topography of that community. Uh, and certainly clinical data about a particular person and making sure that health record is 100% accurate is important, but they took it to another level relative to looking across their community and, and, and being able to dissect where is care most needed and, and implementing a delivery of care model that, uh, that best serves their community and at the same time have quality data at the point of care for each individual uh, uh, patient as they come into their care facilities. Very true. Very, it was very uh, eye-opening relative to what could be done. And here's an example um, of, you know, it takes a lot of time, money, and resources to mine the data that they've mined across a payer and a, and a provider institute. Yeah. Uh, and this is where the smaller hospitals may be at a disadvantage because they just don't have the resources to to do that type of um, effort. Uh, and here's where we can start to create programs where potentially, uh-huh. um, you know, uh, there's some sharing going on about how to do it, um, again, to mitigate some costs for those smaller hospitals. Yeah. Oh, good point. So moving along, can, let's kind of cover a uh, um, connected health. So what's your thoughts on one of the uh, one or two best practices there or key takeaways? In that well, connected health was really about uh, the, the bedless hospital. Uh, it's uh, you know it's interesting how the the market is measures themselves today about how 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 utilized their beds are, and the the model tomorrow is how um, you know it, the model of success is that their beds aren't utilized. Uh, if they're really going to reduce the cost of care, they really need to change the delivery of care um, workflow. And ultimately, I think we came to the conclusion that the home is becoming that center of care or a setting of care. And if that is ultimately true, then 
uh, how does how does one engage a, a, a consumer, a patient, while in their home versus forcing them to come into the most expensive facility right. in the delivery of care uh, uh, apparatus, and that's the hospital. Yeah. No, it's true. And, and you know, Razu, Dr. Shresha went through a great plan. Uh, and again, he's with UPMC, and they're very unique because they have taken on the the payer role as well. But again, that is a growing trend. That is, they're, they're not unique. It may be unique in some settings, but they're really not. You're going to see that trend picking up across the country over the next three to five years. Uh, I'm certainly watching it in a lot of the pockets that I work and, and, and focus. But um, and they, they did a, they get a great articulation, you know, really evolving from a fee for service to an outcomes driven collaborative care model. And, and you know, just seeing that, you know, and not only seeing it in strategy, but they're also deploying it. And it's very, very cool. And to show that, you know, collaboration is. Yeah, I, I did a, a panel uh, moderated a panel at uh, U.S. News uh, and World Report uh, last week. And uh, Nemours uh, Children's Hospital was uh, was on the panel. Gina. She did uh, what they're doing relative to uh, connected uh, uh, connected care uh, is very innovative as well, uh, and ultimately it's uh, it's about how do I reach my my uh, my patients in their home and um, and 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 engage them accordingly to mitigate. Uh, to, uh, to maximize uh, their engagement and mitigate their costs and uh, and certainly move uh, the, the needle relative to the quality of care. Various, again, some very interesting models uh, uh, across the uh, continuum here about um, how to do this differently. Yeah, which actually lead us to our, our third topic, just closing out the think tank discussion, is to virtual care, which is exactly where you were going right there. But where um and connected health kind of integrated. So, what are some of the what's the one or two best practices out of the the think tank that you liked for virtual? Care? Well, what Boston is doing uh, relative to their uh, to the Red Project, and you know they they've done some clinical studies um, that uh, talk about how they engage the patient prior to discharge mm-hmm. using a voice uh, animation avatar. Uh, type of engagement to educate the patient on what uh, what is needed as uh, upon discharge and what their expectations should be over the next 30 days, and they have seen uh, some significant uh, reduction in the readmittance uh, based on their particular program. It's a classic case of how technology can be a tool to engage the consumers and patients uh, to. Uh, maximize the delivery of care and mitigate their costs. Yep. Done a phenomenal job. Yeah, they have. Now it's and we've seen that in the last couple of think tanks where they and they also continue to evolve, which is very neat. So you know, this is a this is a growing strategy. This is going to get very strong. And and even leading into that is the whole, you know, where the virtual assistant enabled you know care is gonna is coming from. And we're gonna we yeah. you know we see Amazon jumping into that with Alexa and their health skills. Uh, you know, Google's going to get involved and others, but I, I'm most excited about what Amazon and Alexa is doing just from what I've been able to see as part of our think tanks. And uh, I think the company is Orbita. Is is that the company that has a health? Yeah. So uh, for clarity, Amazon provides Alexa, but Alexa, uh, as it's released from Amazon, has no health skills. It's right. really when we talk about bringing innovators into the think tank, uh, Orbita has really been kind of the leading player in the market relative to create because folks would say Alexa HIPAA compliant 
Right. I don't think so. Right. Uh, but uh, they've uh, they've created a HIPAA compliant uh, Alexa platform. They've created some very significant health skills. Uh, so how does uh, Alexa, with a nursing degree, as I say, <laughs> uh, uh, provide uh, guidance to that patient uh, while in the home? So, because ultimately, you know, we can get into virtual care and, you know, the Internet of Things and data collection and things of that nature. But hospitals often don't have the resources to monitor all that data. Uh, so Alexa could be a very good uh, substitute for a health coach. Uh, and we say that based on what we know from the Boston Medical Center Red Project. Yep. Um, uh, reducing uh, readmittance by 25% is a significant yes. cost savings to a hospital. Yep. Billions. Yeah. No, and the other piece that I saw is, um, and I will be remiss, we just recently had uh, – CMS published their their CPT codes for reimbursement on telehealth recent just recently this week. So um, and, and over the last couple of weeks. So we, we've seen some great advances on the virtual care side, and the telehealth side. And we're going to continue to to uh, to see that, which leads me into the, the device that I loved that uh, the moment, you know, I saw it uh, through you. And then we saw it uh, used during our think tank is the ARC device. So tell us about that in, in a couple of seconds here. Yeah, uh, at the end of the day, I think of my 82-year-old mother and uh, having cancer at home and being cared for by my sister and certainly others' health. But uh, um, good thing she had six kids. But uh, the uh, the point is, is that you know the Internet of Things isn't a model that works in the delivery of care, in my view. Uh, so you know, how do I? My how does my 82-year-old mother? Uh, be mobile and be able to take blood pressure, heart rate, respiratory, SpO2, temperature, potentially as if it was my father measuring her, his diabetes and uh, uh, an ECG machine, uh, a single phase. You might think, geez, all those different devices, there's no way mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're going to be able to manage all those different apps and, all those different, and afford all those different devices. What we've done is we've consolidated every one of them into one device. Uh, a very modular device that's uh, that is held in one hand, press a button, and all the vitals are taken. Uh, it's the first. Uh, hopefully, when we get uh, we are seeking FDA approval, so this is clinical data, not cl- consumer data, and we're seeking F- uh, the FDA approval on five of those vitals. Uh, hopefully by February, and the other two by Q3 of next year. It'll be the first um, blood pressure device that you, uh, that is FDA approved, uh, taking uh, blood pressure from the finger. And hopefully, uh, if we are uh, uh, if we're lucky enough to get FDA approval, it'll be the first FDA device that allows us to measure our glucose level without pricking your finger. Uh, and a payer themselves spends a thousand to four thousand dollars a year just on sticks. Yeah. Um, if we can reduce that cost and create mobility and, and ease of use, number one reason why di- folks with diabetes uh, aren't able to manage their, their diabetes well because they hate pricking their finger all the all time. Right. Yeah. Um, take, take that off the table, reduce the cost of that, and, uh, and it will maximize awareness, which leads to uh, uh, education and, uh, and, uh, and action. So. Yeah. Our view is that uh, the Internet of Things is a thing uh, that does multiple, uh, that has multiple features that helps mitigate um, 
collect, uh, ma maximize the ability to collect uh, vitals and also uh, the same device being a, a telehealth uh, platform uh, yes. that might actually have Alexa stuck in the middle, if you will, with some health skills. So I can collect vitals, I can become a health coach through Alexa, and if my health system wants to talk to me, they can have a virtual encounter uh, all through a very simple uh, device. Yep, and it's the size of an iPhone. But um, but also we have only about a minute and a half left or so, and I do you. Well, for for accuracy, there it's it's the size of the Moto Z2 smartphone. That's awesome. That's <laughs> versus, awesome. Versus the iPhone. Yep, yep. We, we do it better. Uh, as I certainly that. do. Um, but we have about a minute here left, a little bit over that. But I know you've hosted a couple other panels, and you've come across some great strategies. I know we're running low on time, but can you hit maybe one of those that you saw? Or always dangle it, and we can have you back uh, in a couple of weeks or so to, to flush it out more. Well, I, I, I mentioned um, Nemours relative to implementing uh, telehealth across the continuum of care, and they have some very specific apps even in the asthma space to help uh, mm. children with, with asthma. I thought that that was a very, very compelling uh, effort. Yep. And, and interesting enough, um, um, uh, Montefiore Hospital, um, interesting story. Uh, I'll, I'll try to make it uh, short and sweet. They, you know, everybody says keep people out of the hospital, uh, keep people out of the emergency room. Mm -hmm. It's the most expensive. Don't do it. They actually flipped the, the model and said, you know what, we're going to create the first freestanding emergency room in the state of New York and, and enhance the delivery of care through that facility. And uh, and the and the uh, results that they got out of it was uh, was really astounding. Uh, they have uh, increased the quality of care in that in that community uh, and and created a facility that people would go to um, not only for the emergency that they have, but uh, they extend their resources and they're connected to a larger health system so they can direct the, the consumer or the patient uh, to other services um, as they come in for care. Um, so it's not necessarily just about emergency room, right. uh, emergency department. It's how does it fit into the overall ecosystem and then how do you create continuity uh, between an emergency department and uh, and other facilities within your health system, I, they they really have done a a really unique job. Um, and to make it cost effective, yeah, it just uh, tells the market that they might be looking at their emergency room a, a, a bit different than uh, than the, than they had. No, that's that's terrific. And I'm going to ha obviously have to have you back too because I know there's some other pieces that we've talked about offline that I certainly want to bring out. You're just coming across some really great best practices in, in a lot of your work. So. We'll have you back. But Tom Foley, Lenovo Health, always great to have you on the show, my friend. And I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. Awesome. Good to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for joining us today. Please tune in weekdays, 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. As always, you can track me on Twitter at HIT Advisor and use the hashtag ThisJustInRadio so we can respond to your comments from the show. Uh, in addition, all my content is always posted at JustinBarnes.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a terrific week. 